Hello, my patients. It's your Dr. Wolf the Dog, and I'm here to check the chart so I can diagnose what the fuck is plaguing contention here on 694.2 PTBP, contention's only radio show. Y'all, I'm scrubbed up and ready to go. This week's Howlin' with Wolf comes from at BFEvans19 on Twitter and Reddit, who blessed us with a glowing five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Quote, and now Wolf has a special announcement for all you agents in the field out there. 42, 65, 20, 73, 75, 72, 65, 20, 74, 6F, 20, 64, 72, 69, 6E, 6B, 20, 79, 6F, 75, 72, 20, 4F, 76, 61, 6C, 74, 69, 6E, 65, end transmission, end quote. My producer has a note here. Apparently, Reddit user KRUCZ36 has made a subreddit for pretending to be people located at r slash pretending to be people. The first person to decode the message and post it in the subreddit will receive the pride that comes with being the best agent in the field and also the ability to write up their own Howlin' with Wolf announcement to be read by your personal physician, Dr. Wolf. And as always, if you want to see behind the scenes of 694.2 PTBP, follow along at PretendingPod on Instagram and Twitter. There's a Facebook, sure, but Zuckerberg is a fuckface. Now, back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. It's time for the news. After officers Bishop and Vigna had the most uncomfortable dinner since the Last Supper, some real plot-heavy shit went down. Keith Vigna was approached by his niece, Frances Beans. Upon accepting her proposal, the two are driving east away from contention. John Lee Pettimore and Drew Andrews bonded over shared fortune after a smooth transaction. Clark Bishop saw an impossibility out of his window and then woke up in an unfamiliar place with an unfamiliar face. Strap on your restraints and bite down hard because this is gonna be a fucking wild ride. It's Kudzu with no backbone. Keith. You are in the car of your niece, Frances Beans. It is a Chrysler Sebring. She has offered you $1 million to kill her father, your brother, Ferguson Beans. She tells you she is going to take the secret way to avoid security and begins driving on a narrow path through the woods, trees missing her side mirrors by inches every couple of feet. And then she pulls up to a black iron fence seemingly out of place in these thick woods. Frances grabs a backpack from her back seat and motions for you to follow her as she opens a hatch in the ground and jumps inside disappearing from view. I follow her down the hatch. Down the hatch you guys are in this like 
crazy dark underground tunnel that is lit by these uh, red lights every like 15 feet on the walls of this tunnel. It's dank down here. It's like... Uh, did I recognize it all like on the way here? Had I ever been here before? Like- I think you've maybe been out here once or twice for a reason. I mean, you and your brother kept in touch kind of. Right. But not really. So had I been the secret way? No, absolutely not. All right, cool. So anyway. So you guys are going through this underground tunnel, and when you pop up, it's this... She tells you right before, she's like, um, we're about to pop up above ground, and it is like this sweet spot where there's no security cameras looking and we'll be able to take a easy direct route into the house you can do that i'm gonna bail and then i will uh meet up with you later when it's finished all right are you sure you can't come with me uh yeah i'm pretty fucking sure that it would look a little bit more suspicious if two of us were coming than maybe just one where we're trying to be stealthy right and avoid people seeing us so i think this one's on you my dude have you ever thought about going into uh the force i think you'd be pretty good at it which one the one that i'm on in <laughs> the police force. you think that i would be a good police officer i actually thinking about it now i am going on a hit for you right now uh-huh. but maybe not maybe so maybe should. i wouldn't be a great police officer maybe i'd be about as good of a police officer as you are keith oh you'd be a much better police officer than me anyway um okay just show me the route that i need to take okay and she writes it out kind of like shows you on her palm where the two houses are uh that are on the property and then uh which one is ferguson's and how you need to get up into his room and like where to hide basically is it like written on her hand it's written on her okay, hand i put yeah, my sure. hand up to her hand and my slightly sweaty palm just hold it on uh-huh. there for a little bit and then take it off and yeah. now it's just on my hand but tattoo like, style reversed yeah yeah and she is super grossed out the entire time your hand is touching her hand she's like i hate this i hate this you could have taken a picture this is so f- why didn't you just take a picture evidence I'm a cop. I'm a cop. (laughs) I'm a police officer. So you open up this hatch as she walks back the way you guys came. And she cracks open this hatch for you. And looking out, you're into the world. It's this beautiful, nice little place. Uh, Ferguson Beans and his wife, Stacy, live in two separate houses right on the county line between contention and the city. They both own one of the homes and they use a weird archaic marriage law so they can both vote in both counties. Fergie often brags about this to people over at his home. His home okay. <laughs> his home is modern with lots of sharp lines, glass walls, and geometrical patterns. And Stacy's home is an old Victorian with a wraparound porch and a turret reaching into the sky from one corner and based on the map are they like right next to they each are other? right next to each other and there's almost a line like in the grass where you can see the like the, the county, county line, line that ferguson oh. likes to joke about what a fucking dickhead <laughs> <laughs> and uh as you can see from your hand your backwards hand map <laughs> uh you've got a direct route into the back of ferguson's home uh, where you won't be seen by security. Okay, um, I guess I 
stealthily sneak the path that she told me to do. Yeah, absolutely. So you can, I mean, you're just walking. There's like nobody here. It's super dead. You can maybe see there's like one or two lights on in the other home, the Victorian home, Stacy's house. Uh, but there are no lights on inside uh, Fergie's Fergie's home. And I'm. she told me to go into f- his house. His right? house. Yeah, they actually live in separate houses. Yeah, I guess I'll just go down the path and go into his unlit home. Okay. Uh, as you actually walk up to the door... It opens for you. Oh, fuck. And immediately... Like, like, what kind of door is it? Is it like a sliding? Like a... No, it's like a, it's like a normal door, but when it opens, it's like, Welcome home, Ferguson. This, like, voice comes over the top. I pause. Do I hear any anything else? Nope. I go into the home, I guess, yeah. Walking through his house, everything is automated. Like everything in this house, he's got like a smart home. So like everything is super automated. Uh, like everything looks super nice. Everything's really minimalistic. Okay. Once I realize that everything's automated, I want to go like outside and try to find the breaker or something for the house and just like turn all the you know power off. So that, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that all pretty right. easily. I do that. And then I go back to that door and walk in. Okay. I assume that you left it like cracked so that you could get back in. Right, yeah. You go in and everything's off. Cool. Completely dark inside. And Where did she tell me he would be? She she told you that the best spot would be upstairs. Just go upstairs and get into his room and hide in the closet and he's going to be drunk or high or both when he comes home and he'll just pass the fuck out in bed and just Put a bullet in him and leave as soon as you can. Okay. I don't think I want to shoot him. I'm going to grab... Stabbing him is seems pretty hard. It's really intimate. Yeah. I don't want to do that either. Maybe... Do you want to be inside Ferguson? Do I want to be inside Ferguson? Yeah, if you're going to stab him. <laughs> no. Uh, let's see. Does he have some sort of like chemicals or something? Like if he's going to be drunk and pass out, I could just like suffocate him or something yeah absolutely uh roll um what is what is your search you're not like under duress i guess i mean you'd 40 be, you'd be stressed out but with a 40 you can for sure find it it's a 12 hell yeah so going through you actually find um what do you want to find i want to f- uh i don't know like chloroform I'm to, yeah i'm trying to, like that's yeah easy but no that's who, why would he have that? No. Um, I don't know. What do you mix to make mustard gas? They did it in King of the Hill once. I'm on a list now. I just Googled mustard gas ingredients. Oh, I did mustard gas mixture. <laughs> uh, apparently, you just need garlic, onions, and mustard. <laughs> uh, bleach and ammonia. Okay, yeah. He's definitely got those things. Cool. Yeah, I do that, um, and I get like a... Like a towel? A towel, yeah. And I'm going to get the bleach and ammonia. I'm not going to mix it together until he's there because I don't want to kill myself because I'm pretty sure it's like Mm -hmm. pretty easy to do. Okie doke. And I take those upstairs to his room. Okay. And I hide in the closet. All right. So when you walk into Ferguson's room, uh, the lights are off, but there are candles lit, uh, one candle on either side of the bed and by the candlelight you can see a woman in bedwear laying on top of the sheets 
but you know that this woman is not Stacy. And this is an older woman, probably at least a generation older than you and Fergie. And when she sees you, uh, uh, you're not, you're, you're not, uh, you're not, you're not Fergie. uh, Who are you? What? I'm, I'm not. I'm Contention I, PD. Oh, okay. Is everything okay? Is Ferguson okay? Well, I got a call that some something mysterious was happening in his house. Somebody broke in or something. Uh, what are you doing here? Did you break into the house? No, no. I'm here to meet Ferguson. I, I'm. You're not his wife. N- no, I'm. I'm not. Who are you? I'm Joan. Joan what? Joan Robin. Are you his mistress? Uh, no. It's more of a... I was told... I'm... Okay, my boy Bruce is partners with Ferguson, and he told me... This is embarrassing, but he told me he would pay me a million dollars to wait for him and sleep with him. That way he could, you know, he could rib his business partner about sleeping with his mother. And a million dollars is a million dollars. Right. I completely understand. It's a good round number. It can be used for many purposes. I think you've got two options here. The best option, I think it's best that you leave right now. What's the second option? I give you my gun, and when Ferguson walks in the door, you shoot him. Wait, what? You heard me. Why? You won't get a million dollars, but I can promise you a little money if you'll do it. I can't tell you all the details. The, l- the less you know, the better, but... Go ahead and roll persuade. What's your persuade skill? 70. Oh, you did. It's a 24. <laughs> she looks at you and she says, Hmm, you know, no one knows that I was going to be here tonight. And if Ferguson is out of the picture... My son would take complete control of the company. Sounds like it would benefit you quite a bit. How much extra are we talking on top here? 500? Yeah, I'll give you half a mil. Do you have a gun? I do. Is it your like police officer's re- fuck pistol? It is, but uh It's your service pistol? <laughs> Shit. I'm not a I never claimed to be a great police okay, officer. Okay, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and roll Roll law for me real quick, and we'll see if you were smart enough to bring a different gun. I wasn't. (laughs) Okay, yeah, you've got your service pistol. Let me, can I search the house to see if he's got a a weapon, a gun? Yeah, uh, with your search roll from earlier, we'll have it, you know, go over, and you can definitely find it. Okay, so I find his, like, revolver. Okay. You give it to her. Here's the deal. I'm going to wait in the closet so that you don't get any funny ideas. And I've got my service pistol on me. I trust you to do this, but I'll be here just, you know, in case anything bad happens. More for your safety than anything. And then I open the closet, give her a wink, and... As you're about to walk into the closet, as you give her a wink, you both hear a car pull up to the house. And if you go to the window and look, you would see a white 15-passenger van with the words... Jesus Christ Ministries, in all caps, painted on the side. It pulls into this beautiful, pristine circle drive in front of the house. And the van is pulling a white trailer that also says Jesus Christ Ministries, in all caps. A big, you know, trailer on the back of the van. 
this beautiful man gets out of the passenger side of the van. He has perfect hair, perfect teeth, perfect jawline. He's wearing the fuck out of a bright white suit with a red rose pinned perfectly to his lapel. It is your brother, Ferguson Beans. And as he wa- he clicks a button on his keys, and as he walks toward his home, the ground around the van and trailer begins to move and shift. And the entire vehicular ensemble is transported below ground on some crazy futuristic elevators of sorts as the driveway closes back up with no evidence the van or trailer ever sat there. That's pretty cool. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And then you uh, go back in the room and and hop in the closet. I hop in the closet. I tell her, you know what to do. Just however you see fit. I don't know if you want to do it just as soon as he walks in or if you want to let him get in the room, but just do it and, you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, I'll help you out once the deed is done. Okay. I also want to bring the ammonia and bleach into the closet closet with you. Okay. Keith, you are standing in the closet, holding these things, looking around. It's pitch black, and you hear the door open and shut, and then you hear your brother holler upstairs. Joan? Is the power out? You hear a very scared Joan Robin calling back. Uh, yes. I don't know what it was. Must have been the storm. Sure. Why not? Storming. Yeah. Let's set the mood, right? <laughs> you can hear it. It's pouring. Yeah. Oh. I don't know what that and was. And in, in your, 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 your feet are wet or whatever, I guess. I don't My know. My feet are wet. Your feet are wet from the wet grass. Spooky. Yeah. It's, that's so scary. This is a horror podcast, yeah. remember? Uh, your feet are wet. <laughs> um, horror ASMR podcast. And um, as Keith walks, <laughs> as uh, okay, okay. So uh, Ferguson walks. You can hear him coming up the, coming up the stairs, and um, the door swings open, and you hear a shot, and you hear a scream, and you hear another shot, and you hear a different scream, and you hear another shot, and another shot, and another shot, and then you just hear crying. Is it a female crying? It sounds like Joan crying. I open the door. When you open the door, she immediately uh, swings the pistol in your direction and then like uh, puts it, uh, drops it on the ground and is just frantic and she's freaking out and you see your older brother in this beautiful white suit, Rose on his lapel looking fresh as hell, but the rose is not the only red part of his outfit now as he is just completely riddled with holes from his own gun she runs to you and she wraps her arms around you and she's like I didn't didn't think it would I didn't I need you to roll a sanity check Yeah, I rolled a 45, and my current sanity is 24. Okay, so for convincing a stranger to kill your brother and then seeing your older brother's dead body uh, on a failure, I'm going to go ahead and have you roll a d6. Three. All right, lose three sanity. Where are you at? 21, breaking point is 20. Oh, boy. Yeah. So you are 
kind of losing it right you just start crying i think probably you know yeah yeah you guys are just crying in each other's arms i cry for you know a couple minutes and then i kind of snap back to it i'm like hey okay just take a deep breath lay back lay on the bed and then i'm gonna think of how to clean all this up uh i think i saw some cleaning stuff in the in the closet while i was in there just give me a second and we can clean this up and we'll figure out what to do with the body. Okay. 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 I'm just going to. And she just kind of like sits at the end of the bed and with her head in her hands. Okay. I go back into the closet. I get the bleach and ammonia. Maybe I brought like a little cup with me or something to mix it up. Mm-hmm. Pour them in there. I'm like, <laughs> put my shirt up over my face. <laughs> <laughs> Great ventilation. System. Yeah. Um, and then I. It's probably going to hurt my hands, but whatever. Get the rag, and I put it in the mixture, and I bring it out and walk over to Joan. Yeah, this seems like a great thing to clean blood up with. Look at me real quick. (laughs) Yeah, she's not in any uh, state of mind to think about anything, so she just kind of looks up at you. and I take my right hand with the uh, mixture. I put it up on her face, grab the back of her head like with my arm and just hold it there uh okay let's do a strength contest her strength is 45 what is yours 55 all right so whoever goes highest without going over shitting ass what shitting ass good what'd you get (laughs) whatever that means well i know what it means it means a ass that poops yeah Um, not a good one it's a butt that poops yeah so i missed you missed as this is happening, she fights you and she can get her hand in between her mouth and nose and the towel that you're using. Mm-hmm. And she starts yelling. She's like, why? Why? I did what you asked. So go ahead and roll again. What'd you get? 21. I got 24. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> describe what happens. Ew, why did we just cheer you killing an innocent <laughs> woman? Well, I guess not innocent. She's a murderer. She's a murderer, and I'm a police officer. Well, are you? <laughs> I don't know at this point anymore. Uh, okay, so I ripped the towel off her face. I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I just, I saw you kill my, or I saw my dead brother and I just started to freak out. And then she puts her hand down and looks at me and I put it back <laughs> on her face and I hold her down like, Get on, like, on top of her on the bed. Jesus. And I hold it over her face mm-hmm. um, until she stops fighting back. She's just screaming and squirming, but you hold down until she goes limp. Roll sanity. I do not pass. Yeah, so you just killed a woman covering up the murder that you made her do. Right, but also I do want to do one last thing. Okay. Can I do that? Um, I want to... You know, if she's on the bed, passed out or whatever, I want to um, take like my, I think I have like a handkerchief or something. I want to take the gun, put it in her hand and put it up to her head and shoot so that it looks like she killed herself. Okay. I'm going to say that you're just in this weird state of like shock and determination while you carry out this ice fucking cold task. And she took his gun, shot him five times, and then turned the gun on herself. And that's what you've made it look like. Yeah. I need you to roll. Uh, let's just go D4, honestly, because okay. it's not as bad as uh, 
you know, there's no tie there, I guess. That's a three again. All right. Lose three sanity down to 18. That is past my breaking point as well. All right. And what's your power? 10. Okay. So your new breaking point is eight. I'm going crazy. Yes, you are. For good reason, I'd say. Yeah. But it was all for the money. I did it all for the money. All for the nookie. So as you complete this task, you're freaking out. You've just lost six sanity within five minutes. Right. So you're losing your... Uh, goddamn mind. <laughs> However, as you're walking away, you see that Ferguson is wearing that watch that you remember from so long ago, your father giving him. I take my hanky and I take that watch off of him. Where do you put it? On is probably not a good answer. In my pocket. So I wrap it up in the handkerchief, put it in my pocket. When you take the watch off of Ferguson with this handkerchief, you see that the face of the watch is blank. There's nothing on it, which is odd for a watch. And when you slip it into your pocket, it feels like your consciousness is changing the channel. And you begin to phase out of your reality. And you seem to be somewhere else entirely. You feel wet grass and dirt on your fingers. And you are looking at a door in the ground, like a sealed metal door that was mostly buried. Was. And on the door is an inscription three lines it says here lies the beans scientists beyond measure saviors of the world where do you want to end up what do you mean like where would you go after all of after this? this i do want to do like a quick obviously i want to put like the chemicals and shit back where i found them totally. wipe them down anything that i touched i want to wipe down so that i can't be associated back to being here sure i'm gonna leave the bodies and shit where they are because mm-hmm. you know i guess i'll just walk back to that tunnel okay do i have her phone number or should i i don't really know where i am so I guess go back to that tunnel and then find my way back to, um, I guess, my hotel, motel. Hotel, motel. Okay, so basically what we see as the audience is once you put that watch in your pocket, you're basically somewhere else in your eyes as you begin cleaning up, making sure that the scene of the crime looks exactly how it should and that your fingerprints are gone and that any idea that there was a third person there is gone. And we see you get into the tunnel and walking through the tunnel and your eyes are still just, you know, kind of glazed over as you um, not only have lost so much sanity from doing and seeing what you just did and saw, but also it's almost like you are seeing that feeling of being at this place with this door that's buried in the ground the whole time you're doing that stuff. You're just like halfway there, halfway here, and then cut to you laying in bed at Hotel Motel. But you still have that watch in your pocket in the handkerchief. Do I have like a safe in this Hotel Motel? Yeah. Still wrapped in the handkerchief, stick that in the safe. And as the safe door closes? Do I have the same look in my eyes? No. You're back? I'm back. John, you just successfully made $5 million by selling cocaine to a random, handsome stranger named the Duke. Paid him a grand to tell you Marvin Glass buys from him in bulk, and paid eight of your cousins 10 grand and a 24-pack of Keystone Light 
to which they each took a Pettymore sky shot and headed off into the night. Drew walks up and says, John, I wanna, I wanna thank you. And kind of sits you down. He grabs his, uh, his briefcase and he says, I thank you for making all of this money with me. This is amazing. I th- thank you for showing me how to shoot a gun. Uh, yeah, actually about that. That's what I wanted to bring up. And I point my gun at him and I'm like, can you give me that gun back now? Yeah. Let's pass it over real slow. He passes it over and he's like, oh, that's okay. I, Sorry, man. Uh, I'm a man of means now, and I can't afford to take any kind no, of risks. No, that's fine. That's fine. Mostly, you are, you are too, dude. You know, yeah. Like, I, that's how you got to start looking at the world with suspicion and hate and and fear for people who aren't as good as you because they're not as rich. Oh, that's what the rich man gets to do. Oh, well, then can I have that gun back? <laughs> no, buddy. You gotta have a gun to make that one work. Okay. All right. Well, mostly I wanted to thank you for your friendship. You too, man. You you know what, Drew? I think you are my best friend on the force. Yeah. Because Case's an idiot and Clark's real uptight. Yeah. Well, you're my best friend in, in life, so. Yeah. Hey, hey, cool, man. But uh, I am going to leave. That's cool. Yeah. Get, get the fuck out of here, man. And I think I'm going to bail. I think I'm out. You're, you're out? Yeah. I think I'm going to get a little uh, a little spot, you know, in, in maybe north, I don't know, maybe south. I but Drew, I mean, we're out when it's over, but you're the fucking glue that keeps our sticky paper together. And our sticky paper is the, the, the fucking contention PD. You're the goddamn peanut butter to our jelly, man. And I'm the jelly and Clarth and, uh, Clarth, <laughs> Clark and Keith are the pieces of bread. Like, we need you, Drew. Contention needs you. We gotta save this fucking town, man. And then we can go to Florida or... <laughs> Wherever else people go. <laughs> Mexico, I guess. Well, maybe you're right. I'll see you around, John. And he uh, takes his briefcase and he gets into his car, heads down the, the long, long driveway that you have out to your county road. What do you want to do? You're alone at home. Is there anything you want to take care of uh, before you call tonight? Yeah, what's my willpower at? How tired am I? I did a bump, right? I think so, yeah. Your willpower should be at 12. Okay. I want to kill Keith Vigna. (laughs) All right, let's do this. What do you do? How do you prep? No, honestly, I think like what I would do is just like call Keith and leave some real drunk, angry voicemails as I just pounded fucking Keystones. Do you want to leave a voicemail for Keith Vigna? Yeah, I do. Start to finish. Is it ringing? Yeah. Is it ringing? Yeah. What's his voicemail sound like? Okay. Yeah. Bring, 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 bring. Hey, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Leave your number at the beep. Beep. Keith, it's John Lee Pettymore. I got five million dollars now, motherfucker, and I'm going to kick your ass. Stupid (laughs) piece of shit. Messing with my smoky DVDs, you goddamn bandit. I'm the richest man in the world. I'm going to stick a boot up your ass, and then I'm going to fucking marry the turd that comes out of that ass. Let's delete all this. No, I think that is gold. (laughs) I'm going to keep 
uh, <laughs> yelling about $5 million and then something about a turd coming out of an ass. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty tired from the events of this evening. So I slam three more celebratory keystone lights. I do another line just to get me, you know, put a little pep in my step while I brush my teeth and stuff. <laughs> and I send Keith Vigna a text message that just says, I know. Love it. I kind of spent some time, as I'm a wealthy man now, I have a fortune to protect. So I'm a little bit nervous about all these, these monsters and ghouls and entities that have descended upon my town. I've got a lot more stake in this place now. I don't like it. <laughs> now you got to protect your town now. Yeah. I, uh, you could own this town. Who knew that with such fabulous wealth would come such immense responsibility? <laughs> now that was not the idea of wealth as it was advertised to me, John Lee Pettymore. A rich man has no troubles, friend. <laughs> Certainly not supposed to be beset by goddamn supernatural horrors. Call it a night? Yeah, John's gonna sweep up his smoky DVDs and put one in. Director's cut. Fall asleep smoking a joint on his couch, dreaming of his millions, but also of terrible monsters. So John is asleep on the couch with the butt of a joint in his mouth, uh, lit in this cluttered mess of a living room by the DVD menu screen of Smokey and the Bandit. The night sky is beginning to turn bright, but the sun has yet to peek over the horizon. It is early on this cold December morning and the air smells crispy. A thin layer of fog hangs just above the dewy grass on John Lee Pettymore's property. John, you wake up abruptly to the sound of two gunshots. What do you do? I scramble for my pistol. You scramble for your pistol, find it. Uh, and I get, you know, behind some cover, but I, I peek out a window. I try to look for where the shots are coming from. When you peek out of a window, you can see that outside of your house is a woman holding hostage the Pettymore cousins and Drew Andrews. She is wearing jeans with a white shirt and a leather jacket. She is gaunt with crazy hair and enormous thick glasses that make her already large eyes look even bigger. Six... Pettymore boys and Drew are on their knees with their hands behind their backs. Their mouths are duct taped and most are bleeding from some part of their body. This is even more apparent as all seven of them have been stripped of their shirts. The other two Pettymore cousins are also bound and shirtless, but they are face down about 20 feet away from the group and each has a puddle of blood growing from where their heads landed. This woman has a pistol nuzzled into the back of Drew's head. Officer Pettymore, your presence is requested, please. Uh, so John Lee Pettymore, uh, the fourth, nearly shits himself, but he 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 mutters, uh, "Mo money, more problems." <laughs> and then um, he scrambles he scrambles to the door and he kind of he cracks it open. I know her, right? You recognize her immediately as the woman you had the interaction with in the hotel motel. So I, I crack open the door and I shout, I'm, I'm here. W what do you want? Drop your gun or I'll send your friend's brains through his toothy mouth. It's, it's dropped. I, I, I dropped my, I set it outside where she can see. Okay. It's dropped. Come on out with your hands up. I come out. All right. Here's the deal, John. You know who I work for? Yeah. Do you know what he wants? He wants the gun, John. Oh. 
<laughs> he wants the gun? Not your gun. No, I know. He wants the other gun. You killed two Pettimores. Well, they tried to run away from me. I don't like it when people run away. Well, that was foolish of them, considering the circumstances. I still probably hate you forever, but I see what you done and why you did it. Listen, your boss can have that gun uh, when this is all said and done, uh, but I don't particularly think that's what he needs. Uh, now, he wants to get his boys back, right? Well, yeah, I mean... Or in another way of speaking, he wants to get his boys back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to get my town back right, and I think maybe we can help each other in that regard. I think we kind of want the right, th- the same thing, so what, what do you need? You can have that gun, but I don't. I don't think that's really. Let's talk about. You can have that gun, but I think you might find some. What do you need, John? I am <laughs> middle management at best. I was sent here to collect the gun. If you don't have it, then I'm supposed to bring something back as collateral. You know, until you bring it. So, uh, all right. Hey, wait. I don't have the gun. I mean, it's down at the station. But uh, why don't you bring me as collateral? What? Bring me to your boss. I'd like to talk to him. Uh, wait, the gun is just at the station? No. That's what you just said. Yeah, to f- to trick your dumb ass. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't typically roll, but I'm going to go ahead and roll real quick. <laughs> <laughs> this is all my own doing. Yeah, okay. So... You're not going to tell me what the result of that rule was. We, uh, we're going to need that gun, then, if you have it. That's all we want. We don't need you. We just want the gun. He wants the gun. I'm going to bring him the gun. If not, I'll go ahead and, uh, you know, if, if you can bring the gun, then uh, that would be great. If you could go get it now, that'd be better. For me, personally, I don't like being here. I'd rather go back to the city. So, all right, all right. Can I deliver the gun to him? Or I, Yes. Like, can I come with you? Sure. All right. That's what I want to do. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ, was it so hard? Let's go get the gun. Lady, you killed two of my cousins. Well, they tried to run away from me when I had a gun. Like us... <laughs> Like I said, I understand, but I'm still pissed at you. Were, did, were they your favorite cousins? I mean, how many do you have? Yes, Edward was. Ugh. Well, my third favorite, anyway. <laughs> did the other Pettymores kind of look up and they're like, what? Well, and I, I wink at Jonathan. I'm like, <laughs> you know me, you're my number one. <laughs> he smiles through tears. Um, Edward was his brother. <laughs> Sad day for the Pettymores. We're all like brothers, so it's fine. <laughs> so let's go to the station. Yeah, we'll get the gun. Right now. If you can introduce me to your boss, I'll get you that gun. All right, let's go to the station. All right. I think how this is going to work is she's she's not going to want to ever leave herself vulnerable to you uh, because she just killed two of your cousins. So first, she's going to let the cousins all go. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to keep a gun on Drew. Hey, hey boys. There's another 24-pack and 10K in this for y'all because of, you know, what you suffered. And I bet they could split Edwards Yeah, well, you, you, and, I, I uh, figured you'd divide <laughs> Edward and Aloysius' share. Yep. 
love that that's the name you just pull out that's a oh brother we're at that reference it's the name he pulls out perfect one of them well the other one's burnt this campaign is turning into a bit of an odyssey (laughs) so she's gonna go ahead and have you and drew uh drive in drew's mini cooper and she's gonna sit in the back seat with a gun pointed at both of you as you guys go down to the station lady you might get that gun but nobody fucks with the Petamores and lives to talk about it. What you've done today was unforgivable, and there are many of us living in these hills. We're coming for you. Even if I fall today, the Petamores are coming for you. Okay, that's fine. And she, uh, <laughs> she just like, pushes you forward. <laughs> All right, so Clark, you are in this stone room, circular stone room with a stone table, light shining down, one man sitting across from you. He's holding this big fucker, (laughs) and then he immediately uh, puts it down in this like container in between his legs and puts the lid on it, and he sits back down. So, what do you think? Can you repeat all that? Yeah, sure. So... When I was, uh, when I was a young boy, no, I, uh, no, Clark is probably still silent and staring at the slug. Who are you? Oh, my name is Leon Simpson. Where am I? You are in the lair. Well, lair is kind of a dark word, but it is technically a lair, I suppose, of the circle of knowledge, which uh, I believe I just inducted you into. We have a first task for you as a new member of the Circle of Knowledge. And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out this small little plastic container and he slides it toward you, takes a gun out of his pocket. And it's not a normal gun. It's a a tranquilizer kind of thing. In the little package that he's sliding across the table toward you, it's clear on top and there are a couple needles in there. Okay, so Clark, these are filled with a very particular toxin uh, that will make uh, anyone obey your will for some time. And what we're going to need you to do is, um, well, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the government isn't too happy with the situation over there in contention. And we're going to need you to kind of get that under control. That way we can take back control of your town. So I'm going to need you to go back to contention. There should be one FBI agent who is coming in the morning to take over all of the police work in the town of contention. I don't see any way that they're going to keep you all on based off of literally everything that you've done. We've been watching you. And uh, that's one of the reasons that we're uh, bringing you on is that literally no one will believe a word you say at this point. Honestly, you have absolutely no credit to your name. And uh, that's going to really turn out in our favor, I think. So what you're going to do is you're going to load those needles into that gun they shoot out this little microscopic needle that has this toxin in it and i need you to make sure that the fbi agent doesn't see anything funny going around in contention now clark i'm gonna ask you this one time we're brothers now i know you just met me and you just figured out my name leon simpson very good name but i'm gonna need you to trust me what's been going on in contention well 
Leon. A lot of stuff's been happening. Tell me all about it. There's been like some black goo and people disappearing in flashes of light. And I've been seeing like things that aren't there sometimes. And then there were FBI agents that came and they had a black bag and they, t- they told us that we were going to have to put stuff in it to like neutralize it or something. And uh, there was like these photos from a camera with tubes and like a radio that made a man a cat and a cat a man. So, I mean, some stuff's been happening. It made a cat a man and a man a cat? Mm-hmm. Ha- what? The man is a cat now? He's a cat man? Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. What is this ooze, though, that you speak of? Do you see it everywhere or? Leon, how come? How come? It seems like you know a lot about a lot of stuff, and you, but you don't know anything about any of this. Clark, I know so much more than you could ever imagine. So this is a test. It's a bit of a test. The black goo, uh, there was a guy who was vacuuming it. Okay. Oh, and it made some, between you and I, a couple kids disappeared in it. Whoa. I haven't told anybody that. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, who was this guy who was vacuuming it? His name was James. James, the mononym James? Yeah, you know him. I do. Are you from Contention, Leon? <sighs> is he still around? Did you talk to him? No, no James, James is not. He's no longer with us. Uh, he was in a house that blew up. Uh, did anyone else? Wait, a house that blew up? Yeah, there was a house that blew up. It was uh, our chief, Maggie Cook, was in. Uh, it, it was her house. Okay. There, there were some other people in there. Who, who was in there? Well, it was Maggie, and it was James. Maggie is dead. Maggie was dead before the house blew up, and so was James, probably. <sighs> I think the house blew up because it was booby trapped. Booby trapped. Yeah, one of my partners was in there, and I think he slipped or something, and he heard a click, and then is he dead too? No, he got out of there. He rescued uh, my dispatcher, also. Dispatcher. His, his name's Drew. Drew Drew was over there because he got a call from Harold Dorsey. Is this Harold Dorsey still with us? or No, I think he's dead too. My goodness. Okay, now, uh, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, do, do you guys know who did it? Well, when you say who did it, there's a lot of it's that it could be that you're asking. But, you know, I'll tell you what, no is the answer to all of them. <laughs> okay, well... Um that's the kind of police work that we've come to expect from you all in contention, honestly. Well, I mean, if you had a lost dog, oh, fuck, I fucked that up too. If you <laughs> needed to cross the road at a crosswalk, we could help you with that. Wow. Okay. Well, this is going to be a bit more intensive than that. This shooting an FBI agent with uh, needles and then telling him what to do. But basically, we're going to need you to keep him away from any of the strangeness, any of the goo that you've seen or ooze or whatever you're calling it. And that would just be great. You have 24 hours and then I need you to report back and we can make sure that you will be okay. 24 hours for me to trank the FBI agent and get him off the trail. Exactly. Is there a way I can get in contact with you before that 24 hours is up if I need to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And he slides a business card across, and it says, Leon Simpson. And then it has his number, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Leon, that that thing in that jar there? What, what is it? Oh, uh, it's a xenonematode. Currently, we believe it is a vector from either another time, another place, 
or another reality. We're not quite positive, however, it is the thing that Paul Simon found that has connected the dots of the knowledge of the overseer, which you will attain one day within our elite group. However, that is for another time. Basically, these creatures, they have certain abilities that we have found a way to exploit, and so we need them. We keep them around uh, for a very specific purpose. Actually, you know what? Follow me. And he opens up the one door in this room, and it opens into another stone room. This one much larger. This circular room is 20 yards across and has a domed ceiling. The walls are stone, and there are a handful of torches mounted to light the room. There are six large slabs of stone, each with a couple of people laying on them, circling a single unoccupied stone slab in the center of the space. Each person laying down has one of those giant fucked up worm things attached to them, and many of them seem to have dead skin covering one or multiple limbs. And there is a woman in electric blue slacks and a bright yellow cardigan walking deliberately around to each slab, checking on each group and checking her watch. And uh, her back is turned to you. Uh, When you walk into this room, you're just kind of taking it all in. This is a legitimately horrifying uh, sight, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Leon kind of grabs your shoulder and looks you in the eyes. He's like, this is the chamber of the circle of knowledge. And here is where we do our most important work. You see, these brave men and women, and he motions to the people laying on the slabs, who all look very down on their luck, one might call them homeless looking. And he says, these fine individuals have dedicated their lives to the survival of humanity. Have they done it willingly? That's not necessarily the most important idea to have right now. But yes, in many cases, we have become a much, much better organization within the past couple of years and uh, have begun to explain to people why they're dedicating their lives before we make them. (laughs) Obviously not you necessarily, but we're also not asking you to, you know, give up your uh, skin or limbs for the cause. We want you to be one of us. And he kind of points at him and the woman uh, in the electric blue slacks and bright yellow cardigan who is uh, standing on the far side of the room with with a notebook taking notes let's get you going because the timer's already started and i'd hate for the 24 hours to go up and you know we really like you around we'd hate to lose you so as he uh walks you out of the room you hear the woman say uh bye leon and you turn back and look and you recognize this woman she is cold and vacant with a big smile on her face and her hair is covering one of her eyes. And she says, bye Clark. You feel a a little pinch in your neck. As I feel that pinch, I'm turning around and running toward. You're running toward her and she begins laughing as you slowly crumble to the ground. Clark, you come to in the back of a cab 
Trees lined both sides of the narrow gravel road you were bouncing down. Looking back, you see the gravel path leads to an opening where just enough plant life has been removed to open up space for a parking lot and a massive brick building with two enormous smokestacks reaching up into the canopy of trees encircling this property. There is a sign that reads, The Mill on the Other Side of the City. <laughs> of course, Clark, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, it is I, your narrative Sherpa, Wolf the Dog, standing self-assured on this massive mountain of information. If you're a bit hazy on all the details of the story so far, fear not. Go check out episode 96 for a recap of episodes 1 through 23, and know that you are not alone. Much love, yours, both truly and falsely, Wolf the Dog.